Hour two of the People Show. Satin, Randy, Ben Turn on the boards. Always get in touch with us on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. If you missed the first hour of the show, big news out of Vegas. Robin Leonard done for the season after having to undergo hip surgery. So, so the Golden Knights, a team that lost Max Pacioretty, and now losing Robin Leonard for the rest of the season. Stock down for them. And we went up, we went through stock up and stock down of all the entire Pacific Division, but the Vancouver Canucks. We'll get to them coming up in a second. And we also had a chance to chat with Adnan Burks. If you missed the first hour of the show, make sure to check it out on the podcast. And coming up in a bit, we're going to talk to Chris Faber, who's been covering the World Juniors and keeping a very keen eye on players like Jonathan Lakaramaki, who played for Sweden uh, uh, yesterday. Also, Jani Yormo, who played again for Finland today. And Jacob Truscott also will talk to him about Team Canada and all other Canucks topics. But on the Vancouver Canucks, Randeep. And also, uh, so people know, Confession Friday is coming up at 4.30. Get your submissions in. I see some submissions coming in. Uh, I see some that... Do, some we, are, do we read all these? Uh, not, like, no, we got to filter. Some okay. are very sinister. Well, I mean, some are also like kind of gross. Yeah, yeah. No, some of them, uh, this is where we have to filter. Yeah. Some things are not uh-huh. safe for radio. So uh-huh. this is the challenge, Sat. Yeah. You might start reading a confession and realize about halfway through, I can't read this on air. So, so what I decide to do is read them ahead of time, which I'm reading them. Yeah. Uh, I have been uh, shocked by a few. <laughs> Appalled. Appalled, yes. Uh, I, am, I am flagging the ones we can read. You've, so we'll uh, flag the ones we can read. You've lost, uh, <laughs> I've lost, lost faith in humanity to also, a certain degree. Also lost my appetite. Yeah, that's. That too. I just had a granola bar. It doesn't mm. matter to me anymore. I'm a veteran yeah. of Confession <laughs> Friday. Yeah, so Confession Friday on a Thursday. That's coming up at 4.30. Also, if you have a Don't At Me hot take ready to go, that's coming up as well at 5.20. So get the Don't At Me takes in too. And important to note, this hour of The People Show is brought to you by Douglas Lake Equipment. Get the quality turf, construction, and egg equipment you need while staying under your salary cap at the closest Kubota dealer to the lower mainland, DouglasLakeEquipment.com. Tremendous. Well done. Uh, so are we doing Don't At Me at 320 or are we doing it at 520? I think 320. That's kind of the... Historically, that's what we've Is done. Is that we're doing it at 320? Yeah. So we're not doing it at So we're doing this segment coming we're up. We're doing it this segment. All right, so, so 320. Get, get your submissions in. My bad. Be ready with the Don't At Me's. And also Confession Fridays on a Thursday. That's coming up in a bit. Uh, but on the Vancouver Canucks, stock up or stock down based on the offseason so far. And to run through what we brought up on the other teams, we decided that the Kraken stock up. They added Bjorkstrand. They added Burakovsky. They added Schultz to the back end. So they're not good, but they've gotten better. Yeah, and I think the one that really makes a difference for me is Bjorkstrand. Uh, I think good... that's the that's the one that really moves it into the stock up for me. Yeah, uh, so they, they had a couple players there. Uh, the Kings stock up, adding Kevin Fiala. Uh, Oilers, uh, you know, we give them a bit of a stock up because they, they get Jack Campbell, a bit more certainty in net, but we kind of went through it. Randeep's a bit more bullish on them yep. than I am. I'd say maybe slightly up, but I get it. Uh, Ducks, I say push. Randy had a slightly stock up for the Ducks. For the Calgary Flames, I had them slightly down. Randy had them push. I had them push. I had them in neutral. Yeah, neutral. Yep. Uh, and we certainly had the Knights as stock down and also the Sharks as stock down. Does anybody have the Sharks as a stock up? Probably not. No, it's hard. Like, unless you're looking at the salary cap situation saying, hey, you have more money to spend with Brent Burns now. No, but like as a team, yeah, they're going to be a stock down for probably a little bit. I mean, they're capped out this year still. Um, and they are going to get a little bit of flexibility next season, but not a ton. And we're not talking about significant money coming off the books here. It's just, you know, $2 million contracts. They got to pay Timo Meyer or trade Timo Meyer, whose contract is up at the end of the season. I will say the addition of Oscar Lindblom on a, on a cheap two-year deal, $2.5 million per season. I like that bet on a young player that maybe has a little bit of upside. They got Nico Sturm, 
who, again, you know, decent bottom yeah. six guy can help you out. I actually like Steven Lorenz. They picked up in the Brent Burns right, trade. Right, you've been talking about him for a while. Yeah, yeah. bottom, you know, I, I will say I'm not as, I don't, I'm not as high on him as I was a year ago. And, and let me be clear, he was a guy I viewed as a flyer, a guy that isn't getting a chance somewhere else. Can you get him and he can play third or fourth line role for you? He's very much in the mold of a Curtis Lazar. But I think he has a bit more upside offensively. So I don't mind that addition, right? So I think they've done some of those things that aren't too bad. And on the back end, Marcus Nudevara, I like Nudevara. Matt Benning, I don't like him as much as Riccio likes him. But, you know, they signed him. I thought you were going to say as much as Jim Benning likes him. <laughs> well, him, him too. Him too. Yeah, him they're too. family. Come on. So, I mean, I, you could make the case, if you really wanted to, that they traded Brent Burns away. But in totality, they got a bit better because they made some small additions. But... Yeah, I'm not going to make that argument. No, and it's not like a, you know, I think there's still a few albatrosses around. Yeah. And the Mark Edward Vlasic deal is the big one, right? Yeah, like, you got you got to really stretch yourself to say stock up for this team. I mean, I think yeah. at best is a bit of a push. Yeah. But it's not really. It's I not don't even think it out. is. Yeah. They're taking a couple of chances on guys, and which are some pretty good chances as well. The Lindblom one and a few others. But yeah, it's going to take a lot to have them in as a stock up. Going to the Canucks. We had some texts roll in last hour. We're going to read them now. 650-650. Your thoughts on this team? You know, there's a lot of folks, and I think there's a lot that goes into the conversation around the mm-hmm. Canucks. There's reality and there's expectation. Yeah. With the new management team coming into play and being on the job now for seven months, there was an expectation that there would be a lot done. There would be a reconstructed everything and the cap situation be in a better place. That is one thing. Let's put that to the side for, for a sec. The way that this team looks compared to last year, after some of the changes in the offseason, maybe not fully done yet, but from what they've done thus far, stock up or stock down? I don't think you can say stock down. I don't think there's any way... Even the most pessimistic person probably would. You can say say that you don't like the direction. You can disagree with what they have or haven't done. We, We can have those discussions if you really want to, but I don't think you can reasonably say this team is worse based on the additions they made on paper. Uh, Ilya Mikheyev makes her forward group better. Kuzmenko, because I see this. I see Brendan and Nanaimo texted this in earlier and said, uh, Canucks clearly stock up. I do agree with that. I think they improved more than Seattle. I prefer Mikheyev, Kuzmenko, and Lazar over Burakovsky and Bjorkstrand. I like Mikheyev a lot. And Lazar, I think, fits a role really good. We None of us know what Kuzmenko is going to be. Yeah, Kuzmenko is a bet. I like the bet. I'm all for it. I think he's going to give you something but we can't, one way or another, know for sure what he's going to bring. But Kuzmenko makes you better. Sorry, uh, Mikheyev clearly makes you better. And Lazar is an improvement right-hand center for the bottom six. So they have improved, no doubt. The question of how much they've improved, I think, hinges on how good Kuzmenko can be. And that's fair. And that's really, you know, talking to folks that have coached him in the past. We had Daniel Bachner on the show a couple of months ago saying, this guy will be, you know, really good. He's got a great shot. But until you see him... In the NHL, we can always reference the European older players that made it across the pond, and, and they disappointed as well. So until we actually see him playing against other NHLers, it's an educated guess at best. Now, the one that really makes me think this is a stock up, I think to me it's Ilya Mikheyev. And I'm not saying I don't think he is probably overpaid a little bit. That's probably the cost of doing business. But you get a player, and trust me, a couple of years ago, I was laying down Ilya Mikheyev anytime goal bets. And that was a very frustrating process. A couple of years ago, he was not scoring goals. No. He would always get opportunities. He wouldn't score. He wouldn't finish. He'd get breakaways. But he reminded me of like a early Canucks career Michael Grabner. Mm. So much faster than everybody else. So 
good in terms of his hockey senses, knowing where to go. The puck was on his stick, but it would bobble here, or he'd miss the net. Wouldn't finish enough chances. Wouldn't finish it, right? Maybe early career Yannick Hansen as well. Very yeah. similar in that regard. Even, even Burroughs. I remember Burroughs, uh, his first full year in Vancouver, uh, he scored like three goals or something, yeah. four goals. And after the season, I remember Tony Gallagher said he might have the worst hands in the National Hockey League because that's how bad he was. He, he would get chances, wouldn't score. Sure. And I remember uh, Elaine Vigneault, the next year in training camp, pulled him aside and said, if you only score three goals, you're not going to play in the NHL in this yep. season and kind of challenge them. And he got better. But to your point, yes. And like Mikheyev finds himself in the right spot. And as we saw this past year, he can score. Now, how much do you expect him to score every single year? I think he's probably a 15 to 20 range guy rather than a 25 guy, but we'll see. But what he does do is he makes you better in all situations, in the PK specifically, and just adding speed. And, you know, if you look at the other moves that they've made, and Lazar, to your point, right shot centerman, they needed that, and they're paying a little bit for it. He's not going to necessarily, you know, push you in the direction of, wow, that's a, that's a huge winning situation. Certain situations in the game, you'll be like, all right, Curtis Lazar is doing some good things. But sad. honestly, even if he doesn't, he's on a $1 million contract. It's not going to hurt you. I look at what Mikheyev can bring 5-on-5 five five and on the PK. That, to me, is a stock up because such a deficiency for this team, especially in the PK. Going back last year, they were lacking speed. Anytime, even going back the last two years, when Tyler Mott was out of the lineup, there was no speed in that lineup. Yeah, there, We were looking at... Tim Schaller and Jay Beagle playing on the bottom six, and we're saying, where is the speed? Yeah, not a lot of pace on that team. When Mott got traded, we're, you know, expecting Lamico to, well, to Lamico play a struggled. Lamico struggled. Because when, sure. when Lamico didn't have Mott and Highmore getting on the forecheck on his wings and, and creating havoc and buying him an extra beat to get in on the forecheck, he was nowhere near as as effective. And I think a big reason why the Canucks ultimately didn't bring Lamico back was that lack of pace. And I think at one point they were impressed by what he was doing, but it became very evident that he kind of needs speedy wingers around him to have success. Yeah. And that's hard. I mean, if you have players that need help to be good, they're not guys you can have on your team. So the Canucks are clearly better. My only question is how much better are they with a forward group? But I think as we've kind of done, you know, on this radio station the past couple of months, when you start comparing the forward groups, especially in the Western Conference, Vancouver's forward group is very strong. Like yep. it, It's hard for you to find seven, eight forward groups in the West that are better. I kind of have them in the top five in the West forward groups. You start looking at it, go through all the teams. Like They have a strong forward group. You can think whatever you want about Tanner Pearson. And listen, last year, I think when he was healthy, he was one of the more consistent players that they had in terms of effort. Maybe not necessarily raw production, but the way he played, they needed him, especially at a certain stretch of the season. As of right now, if you're building out their lineup, He's probably on the fourth line. Yeah. That tells you how deep they are. Yeah, I mean, okay, so for argument's sake here, we've been talking so much about, you know, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, I mean, Edmonton Oilers. I'd say the Oilers forward group because they have McDavid and Dreisaitl and, you know, uh, Nugent Hopkins, Kane, and um, Hyman, who've all, like, played well together. They're top six. I think they're clearly better, right? I think people would say the Knights still probably are better. They have Eichel and Carlson, Stone, Smith, and, you know, Roy and Howden, who's played a lot yep. better. You can make the case they have a better forward group. But do the Flames have a better forward group than the Canucks? So Yeah, when you take away 200-point players, and I know they replaced one of them with Huberto, but you still, your point about Michael Backlund and others, like that's a valid point. Like I do have questions on the second and third line with the Flames. So, I mean, would you rather have Huberto, Lindholm, Toffoli, Coleman, Backlund, Mangiapane, Pelchier, Monaghan, Dubé, Lucic, Ruziska, and Kevin Rooney, or Pudkolzin, Pedersen, Besser, Pearson, Miller, Garland, Kuzmenko, Horvat, Mikheyev, Hoaglander, Lazar, Dickinson. 
We that, get, those we, are your 12 forwards. So, okay, we can acknowledge that Huberto, out of all those players, has got he's going to get you the most points. But Probably. in terms of depth. Well, depending on how Calgary plays, but yes. Yeah, historically, based on the way that... But they scored a lot of points last year, but if they play as aggressive as last year. If they the play, and, and that's where I wonder like what Sutter's going to, how he's yeah. going to employ them. But let's just say, based on what we know about Huberto, he's probably the guy that gives you the most points, raw points. But in terms of depth, it's Vancouver. It, it is Vancouver. Like, you know, the, what the game changer is, I don't think Calgary's strength last year was necessarily the individuals. It was the way they played with Sutter. Yeah. So I think if you look on paper, Vancouver's got the more skilled lineup, but can Daryl Sutter get Calgary to play the way that they played last year again? So skill-wise, Vancouver's got it. But we know Calgary last year wasn't simply skill. It was also they played their, to their identity. I think we're still looking for Vancouver's identity. Yeah, I think that's something that's still being established out there. But if you start looking at overall stock up, stock down on their forward group up, and on man. the team in general, they they did not get worse defensively, yeah. right? Uh, goaltending probably stays the same. Yarrow Halak did not do anything from them last year. No, really, he wasn't good right? enough last year for you to say, okay, they've lost somebody in between Martin and between um, Delia. They should be okay, you know, as a backup position. But yeah, it's stock up for Vancouver. Now, like we mentioned, this exercise, stock up or stock down, doesn't mean your team's actually going to have success this year. It just means relative to what you were before and what you are now, have you actually improved? But, you know, we're starting to see a lot of uh, Canucks fans uh, texting in here. Uh, this one says, no chance the Knights have a better forward depth. Stone is, is a hard decline, and Carlson is a bit of a one-hit wonder. So, I mean, if you want to make that ca- again, that's fine. You can make the case. The point that we're trying to make here is you start looking at the forward groups here, they're all comparable. Like, even if you want to say Vegas is better, it's not significantly better. Okay, I have a bit of pushback on the Mark Stone is in hard decline. Like, I don't think he's in hard decline. He's does, you know, have injuries taken a toll? Yeah. That happens with a lot of players. There's a lot of players that miss time. But if in six months we're talking about Mark Stone is Selkie candidate again from the wing, I would like it's not gonna surprise me. I, I'm I don't think Mark Stone is near near being washed at all. He's to me, thirty years old. He's uh, not washed yet. And you know what the difference maker with the Vegas Golden Knights top six is? Jack Eichel. Like we continue to kind of look over the fact that when this guy's right, even in a trash team like Buffalo, for half a season, he was a heart contender a couple of years ago. If he is right, not last year when he just came in and he had to kind of go with the flow with a new team. If he is right and the Jack Eichel we remember from Buffalo, watch out for this group because he does change the game. We're talking about a guy that was, you know, seen as a, as a superstar. Mm-hmm. And I'm not willing to close the book on one player. And I understand the procedure that he had, the injury that he had, all of that. It's complicated. But I still got time for Jack Eichel. And I think with Stone and Eichel, if anybody can elevate a top six, it's those two guys. So just just be careful on, on saying Vegas is done because those guys are still in the lineup. I don't think they're done, but I think you can make an argument. Like if you want to debate, you know, forward groups, which ones are better. Like I think there's an argument to be made if you really want to. But I think, you know, I've, I've kind of, I'm not a big Chandler Stevenson fan, you know, in terms yep. of being a top end guy, but he has 64 points this past year. You know, I mean, you know, even a guy like Nick Raw is big, physical, almost at 40 points and he's only getting better. He can play center for them as well. I mean, that they, I'd say that, if you're dismissing guys like Howden and Nicholas Rod that play on their third line, they're really good players. So like, like, they have guys that can provide a lot of depth to them as well. But I think when we go through the exercise, and we did this on Canuck Central you know, a while back, we looked at the forward groups in the Western Conference, and the only ones that are clearly better, I'd say Oilers, clearly better. Yep. St. Louis Blues, clearly better. 
and the Colorado Avalanche because they have Anthony McKinnon and Landeskog and Nichuskin and Lekkonen and those guys. But the depth outside of there is kind of not there. So I'd say the ones who are obviously better, clear-cut better, Colorado because they have a high end, the Blues because they're, they're a really good forward group, the Blues, and the Oilers. And I think that's where, if we look at the Canucks, what is the strength of their team, right? Traditionally, historically, we would have said last year, it's goaltending. Yeah. Rutherford said it himself. But now looking at this season, the way that this team is constructed, it is the Ford group because they have that depth. And that's not sleeping on Thatcher Demko. That's more of a question for Spencer Martin. If there's an injury, if there's time that needs to be missed, are the Canucks in a spot where they can backfill a Thatcher Demko properly? So I, I still have a question on Spencer Martin. And that's why I'm, it's not a knock against Thatcher Demko, but it's also a acknowledging that the forward group is much better than it was last year. It is significantly better. Like, like, like I said, um, I think Vancouver's forward group is better than Calgary's. You know, like we can sit here and talk about, I mean, somebody's texting in and saying, you know, you, you have to, re- we're not talking about teams. We're just talking about how much has Vancouver improved overall based on last season. And we're just looking at the forward group specifically. It's yeah. not about ranking teams. We did the team rankings earlier this week. Go back and check it out on the People Show podcast. But it's more about, where have the Canucks improved? And you look at the forward groups in the West. Again, I, I can listen to somebody make the argument that Vegas' is golden uh, forward group is better, but I only see three forward groups that are clearly better in the West, that are clearly better in the West. Now, the rest kind of fall into a tier, like we talked about uh, in the Pacific Division. We said, hey, on the defensive side of things, it's essentially Calgary and Vegas when it comes to the defenses, and everybody else is kind of in a similar tier. And I'd say this is where Vancouver finds itself in this division right now, or in the Western Conference in general, there's only three teams that have a better forward group, and the Canucks are right there in that next tier. And that's a pretty big improvement compared to where they were last year. No, it definitely is. And I think we got a lot of reaction coming in now as well, 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, On the Canucks front, though, I think if you look at the comparison against Calgary is, is a really interesting one. What was the strength of Calgary last year? It was their defense. It was their, it was their defense, but it was also the pace they played with. Sure, they they were they played a very direct, fast game. They were really hard for for teams to handle in transition. Yeah, and unless they're playing the Edmonton Oilers, which was a bit of a problem for them because yeah. they you know you had that back and forth, and we saw in the playoffs that they couldn't cope with it because of the speed. But yeah. during the regular season, they worked the Oilers in those meaningful games, especially in like February and March. Now, the question I have with the Calgary Flames is, if you look at the the statistics, and especially the way that they were so good at controlling chances. Their strength came from that transition game and the way that they played in speed. And Kachuk and Gaudreau and Lindholm, you know, created a lot of points. But the way that they didn't give up anything is what launched that offense. They were able to, you know, hit that outlet pass and hit those breakouts to those guys immediately. So they played very fast, but it was all from a strong defensive game. So... As much as I want to say, hey, you know, we're seeing the text about how, you know, Calgary, Calgary's so much better. Remember, their offense came from a really elite defensive game, which if you look at some of those numbers about high danger chances against and chances give, scoring chances against, they're top three to five in almost every meaningful defensive stra- uh, category. So, yes, they're a strong offensive team, and we saw that with Kachuk and Gaudreau and Lindholm and all of their, all of their numbers put together. It did come from really good defense. Well, it did. They just, I just, they just spent so much time in the offensive zone. You know what I mean? They, they, they had a, such a good job of transitioning because their defense was so good at getting the puck up efficiently, and, and that's why they had a successful season. But 
You got questions about them in the postseason, as we saw. They got dispatched by the Edmonton Oilers. All right, uh, it's been fun kind of catching up on that. Thanks for all the text messages. We now want you to keep sending in those don't at me submissions because it is time for don't at me. Brought to you by Lease Busters. Get out of your vehicle lease with ease, confidence, and a Lease Busters leasing specialist to guide you through the journey. Go to leasebusters.com to start the process today. Your takes uninterrupted. Don't at me. Text in your submissions to 650-650. Do you have one to start off? Don't at me. Yeah, I had one, and now I'm going to actually just, I'm going to reset it. Don't at me. But Mark Stone will be a Selkie candidate again this year. There's a, this idea, and we're getting a bunch of texts saying, Eichel Stone, done, washed. They're band-aids. They're walking band-aids is one text, put it. Don't sleep on Mark Stone. Like You can't just go from wing one of the elite players off the wing who changes the game defensively from the wing, which is very difficult. And I understand he's coming back from injury and people want to sell that stock. I'm not selling it. Top three Selkie candidate this year. I'm saying it right now. Oh, Mark Stone, Selkie candidate, dropping it down. Yeah, that drop-off is not there. Like I, It may be there, but like he's still a, a, an elite player in that position. I'm, I'm not. I'm not selling that stock. No, <laughs> you still got the Mark Stone stock. I do. I'm not selling it. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's. I don't diminish Mark Stone did even last year when he played. The problem wasn't really his defensive players. He, he just got injured. He was good defensively. Exactly. He still scored at, at the normal rate that he would score. A lot of don't at me is coming in. Brock in Vancouver. Don't at me. The Canucks will make the conference Western Conference Finals this year. Okay. All right. I'm not adding you, but I'm asking you a question. Will JT Miller be on that team? Mm, well, I, I think if they're going to get that far, he probably has to be. So they're not going to pull off a trade at the trade mm, deadline? I, I don't know. I can't speak for Brock. Uh, this one, don't at me. You guys are sleeping on how much better the Canucks PK will be this year. Uh, no, uh, sure. I mean, yeah. But the discussion is not about special teams. Again, the discussion was, ha- have the Canucks improved? How much? And where they've improved is the forward group. And we look at their forward group comparative to the Western Conference. It's improved greatly. Special teams, sure. We can talk about special teams if you want. The PK is probably not going to be as bad as it was last season. But that's a that's a bigger conversation around special teams and, and team outlook and team perspective. But more than anything else, I don't think anybody, even those who are down on the Canucks, can deny this forward group has improved significantly. And to be fair, one of the reasons I said the stock is up is because Mikheyev is going to be a difference maker when it comes to those special teams as well on the PKI. We got this one. Minor Matt in Abbotsford. Don't at me. Jim Rutherford was known as Trader Jim in Pittsburgh, but here in Vancouver, he's known as Earthworm Jim because he's decided to live underground. <laughs> Earthworm. I don't know, man. He's doing a lot of interviews still. He's still talking. He, he, he's not underground. He's available. If you want to talk to him, he'll pick up the phone. Marcus and Gibsons. Don't at me. New Yankee Stadium has no mojo because they haven't won anything there. Can't at you. Don't want to at you either. It's been last time they won a World Series is 2009. It's been a long time. It's been a minute. Uh, Chris from Nanaimo, don't at me, but Hoaglander will get more points than Mikheyev. Okay. Hey, I mean, Hoaglander's underlying numbers last year were good. He just didn't finish. And because he didn't finish, the coach was like, you, can't, you take too many chances, bro. Yeah. If you're not going to finish your chances, you're not going to play as much. But if he starts converting his chances, there is a really good... Uh, opportunity here for uh, Hoaglander to have a bounce back if he can get back into the good graces of the head coach. I could actually see Bruce Boudreaux calling him bro, too. Yeah. Bruce is pretty chill that way. <laughs> All right, Jeffro coming in with Don't At Me. Anaheim Ducks finish ahead of the Canucks in the division this year. Oh, spicy. Woo! 
this one, don't at me, but the Bandits hosting championships next year will be the sporting event of the summer in the Lower Mainland. I saw that today. Shouts to the uh, Fraser Valley Bandits who are going to be having the the championship basically celebration when it comes to the league next year. Not this year. I believe it's in Ottawa this year. Next year, it's going to be in the Fraser Valley Langley Event Center. Yeah, fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. It's not only just like only basketball. It's going to be like fashion. It's music. It's it's a big party. So it shouts to them. They're changing the game out there. Yes, uh, they, they certainly are. So that is fantastic. Uh, can we squeeze one more don't at me in? Let's do it. Uh, we got this one. Don't at me. Unsigned. Please put your name on it. Mark Stone has never played a full season or scored more than 64 points. He's not elite. I don't care how good he is defensively. I wow. mean, it's hard. I mean, guy played 80 games once, played 75 and 71. But, yeah, I mean, point holds, and he does get hurt a lot. It's true. But, I mean, you can be elite without scoring a ton. I mean, yes. Patrice Bergeron. Exactly. He scores a decent amount, but not a ton. Some people thought Jonathan Taves was elite. He's, he was named yeah. in the NHL 100. But, hey, he said don't at me, so we can't at Yeah, him. no, for sure. Well, but, like, my point is, if you can be named in the NHL 100, like Jonathan Taves, are, yeah. you, are you not? You're elite at something, aren't you? Uh, Chet and Burnaby, don't add me, but the Calgary Flames are closer to missing the playoffs than first in the Pacific. Wow. Who's going to score goals? They're a Markstrom injury away from being terrible. That is Chet and Burnaby. And, okay, I lied. One more. Uh, AP and Langley, don't at me. Uh, Canucks keep Miller and win the division with Miller getting 120 points. Flames and Knights don't even make the playoffs. AP and Langley. Okay, All AP right. bringing it. I, I, like, I it. like those. Those are spicy, man. I like it. All right, so some spice on a Thursday. All right, Chris Faber's next right here on Sportsnet 650. Back in on The People Show. And this hour of The People Show is brought to you by Douglas Lake Equipment. Get the quality turf construction and ag equipment you need while staying under your salary cap at the closest Kubota dealer to the lower mainland. DouglasLakeEquipment.com. It is sat with Randeep, Ben Turn holding things down. We are going to be joined by Chris Faber, Canucks Army, coming up in a few minutes. And Confession Friday coming up an hour from now. So keep getting them in as you can. You've got a bit of a taste of them already. Uh, some of them are fine. Mm-hmm. Some of them are a little deranged. Yes. They can be a little bit deranged. Yeah, so we'll see what we get. We'll see what we can get. So uh, we'll have some fun with that. And coming up at 4, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk some NFL, some news coming up there as well. And uh, we have a wrong answers only coming up too in a little bit that we're going to have some fun with. Might be a World Junior related. So uh, we'll have some fun with that. So that's all coming up in a bit, and we'll and we'll talk to Chris Faber here in a moment. And you know he he's been keeping tabs on how Lakiramaki's played for Team Sweden, only one game. Yana Yormo only already has two games under his belt now. Also played earlier today for Team Finland, and obviously uh, Jacob Truscott. But it's interesting because I saw somebody text in, and somebody's texted in and said, uh, "Hey, people, you got to realize that Lakiramaki's a project. A guy like Kemmel is probably more ready." And it's like, well, Lakiramaki was always going to be a bit more of a project than some of the other guys. What the Canucks did was they drafted a guy who has a lot of raw tools, who was one of the youngest players in the draft, who just turned 18 uh, a few weeks ago after he was drafted. So you're talking about a guy that is a longer-term projection, but has a lot of the tools and talent. But when you start looking at certain guys playing right now in a tournament... 
that were drafted at the same time, you could make the case that some guys look a, li- a bit more ready because they may just be a-, a bit farther ahead in their development. But that doesn't mean that the player is not going to have a higher upside at the end of the day. Yeah, and I think you start looking at some of the point totals that are put up, like Jan Misak of the Czech Republic. Czechia is another example. He put up points today. Even on Sweden, Daniel Torgerson is another you know draft pick who is putting up points. Like There are different players at different points in their development. That's the reality of it. And Lekaramaki is a special player. He's got a damn good shot, as we know, as we've heard. But that doesn't necessarily mean a player's arrived once they are drafted, right? Yeah. You can be special, but you're not a finished product. And I think... One of the things that we talked to Chris Peters as well once this was about to start is with LeCarrie Mackey, where does he kind of fit in? Can he find a role? Can he find you know a permanent spot? And let's just see where he ends up the on the you know in the lineup during this tournament. I think it's a uh, for a young player to find out uh, just to have a good spot in that lineup, and he's he's trying to figure that out, right? There's no (laughs) at any of these tournaments. There's no finished product, especially when. You've just been drafted. No, it's going to take a few years, but uh, you know, you see, you see a lot of the talent the kid has. Let's welcome in Chris Faber into the discussion. Canucks Army doing a good job covering the World Juniors. And Faber, how much fun are you having? I know you know the attendance has been a big issue as far as people talking about the tournament, but as far as you watching and evaluating it, are you enjoying it? Uh, yeah, so far. I mean, even today it was nice watching a Finnish player in his own and Yanni Yermo being able to uh, kind of grow his game from yesterday. It felt like he had a a tough start to the tournament, especially, you know, kind of getting benched in the first period of that game. But uh, I thought he was one of the players that, you know, was getting talked about a lot on the broadcast today and, and really started to look like he's playing to his strengths uh, in the, as the tournament kind of goes on here. Well, so, you, you talked about the uh, the game one versus the game two. Okay, let's get into specifics, though. What about game one do you look at and say, all right, you know what, he kind of got rid of that in game two. Yeah, I think, you know, honestly, I think you could look at it and say that it was kind of just nerves and a little bit of rust. Like, there was some some passes that he was pushing just too hard and it kind of landed in player skates. He iced the puck a couple of times, had a bad turnover. uh, And that's kind of all in like his first three shifts. And there's, you know, a good reason why he was sat out for a remainder of that first period. I think he only got one shift in the final 14 minutes. So a couple little mental mistakes that he made, but he was still able to to kind of get back to what he does so well. Uh, And that's just skating with the puck, being able to kind of just go around the offensive zone with possession and open up passing lanes. Uh, he got a secondary assist today, which was nice for him to get on the board. Uh, and, and honestly, he was a player who, you know, defended well today, kind of used his big body a little bit more. You see a player like him who's, you know, 20 years old at this tournament. He's bigger, he's stronger than a lot of these guys. So when he gets into a board battle, Yanni Yermo is just kind of able to to push on people. But it, it's funny, like you could see from that first game, it's what we all say about Yanni Yermo, where it's just, yeah, he has incredible physical tools. Like he, he could skate like the wind, has a good shot good strong passes but it's about the decision making and it's when can you hold on to the puck for an extra second or two or when do you have to make that play or or you know just kind of evaluating the play develop in front of him that was kind of his problem at the start of the first game that he played yesterday well we always have to be very careful about making any you know grand conclusions based on world junior tournaments and things like this i think we've all kind of uh, know that at this point but I think in terms of getting the best evaluation possible, given what we have to evaluate, and that is the games that we are watching, I think for him, the real test is going to be when they face better competition, when he doesn't have as much time and space to make decisions. And then you start finding out, okay, can he process? Or is it something that he can't figure out? Because I have a hard time, Faber, believing a player is all of a sudden going to become better at processing and better under pressure as time goes on. Like you either have it or you don't. So I'm not saying he doesn't have it, but I think the test for us to find that out to any degree is going to come when they face better competition. 
Yeah, no, I completely agree with you on that. I think it's going to be interesting to see a couple different things when he faces better competition. It's going to be when you have that less of a half of a second, is he making even more mistakes or is he able to kind of step up in that spot and say that, no, it was just a little bit of nerves at the start of the tournament. That's why he made those mistakes. And then the second part would be like, well, how well does his skating ability, his good shot, all of his strength, how did they look against the top teams in this tournament? Because, yeah, they, they look great when he skated around with, you know, Latvia's or, or Czechia's. Uh, and it's a third or fourth line because he's playing on the bottom pairing. It, it, that all looks great, but what's he, what does he look like when he's going against like one of Canada's top six lines or one of USA's top six lines? Is he still able to look that much quicker and bigger and stronger than everyone? So it's kind of a two-way street. You're going to see what his weaknesses are like against the better teams, and you're going to see what his strengths are like uh, and kind of which one sticks up, which one goes up, and which one goes down against these guys. So the Finns get it done against the Czechs today. Uh, later on, let's stick with the defenseman, USA versus Switzerland. And Jacob Truscott, you know, pretty, you could say, easy matchup against Germany based on the, the way that that one finished. But, you know, assessment after that first game was it felt like he just did what he needed to do. It was kind of a low-profile game in the first half and the second half. He got a little bit more adventurous. Was You saw him with the puck a little bit more. But, you know, what did you see in that first game? And what do you want to see moving forward here from Truscott? Yeah, I, I was curious to see that uh, if he was going to play the left side or the right side. I know that he started the game playing on USA's second pairing as a right side defender. Uh, he is a left shot guy, so playing that offside is a, just kind of another tool in his tool belt for him to add as a prospect. And I, I think he's just going to be relied upon to play the kind of game that he evolved last year at Michigan, and that was playing alongside Luke Hughes. Uh, that's what he did at Michigan. He's not exactly doing that full time here at the World Juniors. I know that. He got a little bit of a run in the last period uh, of USA's first game there playing with Luke Hughes, and that was great to see. I mean, instant chemistry, and it really opens up Hughes to kind of just dance around there with the puck on his stick, which is incredible to watch in this tournament so far. But for, for Truscott, that's kind of his game. Like, And I think if he is ever going to get to the pro ranks, and you know, there's a possibility that he has to work his way up through the AHL to get to that point. He's got a long career at Michigan ahead of him still here, but his game has to be just the simple defensive defenseman. And I think it was something that we could see at development camp where it was like, you know what, like Truscott's playing a little bit more physical than we've seen when we evaluated him in his draft year. You could even see that development camp just pushing guys around. And now that he's getting opportunity to do the world juniors. I expect them to be physical. Uh, I expect them to make simple plays. I don't want him to be the guy that has all the pressure of breaking out the puck. But the good thing is that from him developing at the United States national team development program, uh, in his later teens, it just feels like he does still have the ability to move the puck when he has to, but he just feels like he's more of a complementary defenseman to a number one. So that's kind of his path if he is ever going to get to pro. Uh, and it's great to see him just excel playing that type of game here at the World Juniors so far. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that it gives you a little bit of promise, both on Truscott and also Yanni Yormo, two guys we weren't quite sure what they were going to be a little while ago. But, you know, as far as Jonathan LeCaramacchi is concerned, only seen one game from him so far. And didn't play a ton of minutes, obviously, because of, you know, how that game was really unfolding in the third period with Switzerland kind of coming back. And, you know, him and Ogren both kind of got buried in that third. But what did you make of his first uh, official game at the World Juniors? Yeah, I think he was um, decently effective when the puck was on his stick. Uh, I, I think the problem for him in that first game was that he wasn't he wasn't just as puck hungry as he really wanted him to be, right? Like the play kind of needed to come to him. He wasn't really creating the play, which is unfortunate. And that's something that we've heard in scouting reports about him is when, you know, he, he's great on the power play, right? Because he can get set up, he can have some space, he can have the puck on his stick and have a little bit of time, but... 
the questions are going to be, can he do that at five on five? Can he be aggressive enough to be the guy driving the play, creating offense? Because when the puck's on his stick, there's a lot of skill. It's clear to see he's a great passer. He's a great shooter. But I don't think we saw enough at five on five from him. It was, it was great to see him get an opportunity on Sweden's power play unit. But he was dropped down from the second line all the way down to the fourth line within the first period of play for Sweden. So uh, he's, he's got to have a little bit more of engagement kind of at five on five. Uh, for him to kind of, you know, get a good run of this tournament. But the good thing about LeCarrie is, like, he just turned 18 last month, right? So he's going to be able to play at this tournament this year. He's going to be able to play at it again this year, I guess, in December when they start that one, and then the year after that as well. So to see him get three shots of this tournament, uh, like, you don't even really have to have expectations for him. Uh, this This summer tournament that we have going on right now, it's just – for me, it's great to see him get into the lineup. I was I was pleasantly surprised to see him in a top six role to start uh, Sweden's first game. But you know, it'd be great to see a few goals from him, get some opportunities on the power play to put up some points. But to me, like I'm just looking at that that tournament either in December or you know two years from now when we get to see him be the guy who you know probably could be a player that they're thinking about for the C two years from now for that tournament. And he could be a guy that's really just an absolute dominant force at the what would it be 2024 World Juniors. Yeah, there's a there's a long runway there. In terms of this tournament, you know, what would be the measure of success? Is it just to be like by the end of the tournament, he's found, you know, some chemistry with some line mates and he's producing a little bit or or is it even less than that just to say, hey, just being here and being a part of this is good enough? Yeah, honestly, for me, like uh, I would be happy to see him not be a healthy scratch throughout this whole tournament. Uh, I think that Sweden has a lot of very talented forwards. They're bigger and stronger than him. Uh, LeCaron Mackey obviously has great hands, can handle the puck as, as good as anyone on that team. But to me, I mean, as, as a guy who just turned 18, would have been 17 of this tournament if it wasn't December. I mean, he if he just plays throughout this tournament, I think that's, that's good enough for me. And if he starts to put on some points and then get some stuff on the power play going or whether it be at five on five, that would be great. Maybe, you know, getting a little bit of a, you know, kicking the rear from the coach to do more at five on five would kind of be something that I'm going to be looking for for the rest of the tournament. But honestly, just just playing. I mean, at his age and coming out of the draft here on on one of the top four teams of Sweden, uh, just playing games for them, I think, is huge for Lekaramaki. Well, and, and I think I'm there with you. And the reality is, it's going to take a little bit of time for him to really realize his potential. But when it comes to Team Canada, just as far as you know, how good that team might be, and and you know, Latvia. You know, they kind of hung in there, and they had a few goals, and some questions about goaltending again, which always kind of comes up for Team Canada in these types of tournaments. What did you make of Canada's performance? Um, yeah, it, it's been kind of hard to, to dive into Canada that much for, for multiple reasons, I think, this year. Um, yeah. It's been a little bit of a different one, whether it be the summer and, and mm-hmm. other things that's going on with Hockey Canada. But, um, you know, there, there's a lot of hype around Connor Bedard. I'm definitely watching the highlights to see what Bedard's been up to. Um, and, and Zach Ostopchuk as well. I know I've heard a lot of good things about uh, what he did in the first game. I know he's an aggressive player out here uh, with the Vancouver Giants, and it's been kind of nice to hear him on the radio broadcast. I know I produced a lot of those games with Dano back in the day, last couple of years. So uh, I'm really happy that he's having success so far, but, you know, it's Canada. I'm sure they'll figure things out here and get better as the tournament goes on. It, it feels like it's the same conversation about this team every year where they don't come out and beat uh, you know beat Latvia 14 to 1 in the first game there starts to be just a little bit of panic but uh, they'll probably be all right they'll figure it out here they'll probably have a great game today and, and run through them yeah we'll see how it goes with those guys but one of the things that you've kind of been running down to on Canucks Army is kind of looking at the Canucks prospect pool especially now the draft is done you've been keeping an eye on the world juniors but looking at some of these Canucks prospects at the world juniors looking at the draft that they've had some of the free agents they've signed what do you make of the the strength of the Canucks 
prospect pool after this summer now that they've kind of added to it? What do you make of where they are now compared to where they were, say, three months ago? Yeah, I mean, I, I still don't think that they addressed the defense well enough at the draft. I mean, adding Elias Patterson is great. I think he's a player that's going to be able to help. Uh, and I'm pretty excited to see what he can do just from getting opportunity to see him at development camp, kind of go back and watch some film. Like, this is a, a big, strong kid who can skate. So it'll be kind of fun to follow him. Um, and, and then just kind of just see the prospect who will develop kind of with, with a lot of them moving to different spots, right? I mean, watching Linus Carlson come over to the AHL, um, I, I do have some worries about it. I know that everyone kind of thinks Linus Carlson is going to be an absolute slam dunk in the AHL and, and be a player who might get into NHL games this year. But, like, I, I do really worry about Linus Carlson's foot speed at 5-on-5, five five and, and making the jump to the AHL is going to be tough for him. Like, uh, it is going to be something that I think, like, I, it's weird. Like, I have more confidence uh, in Andre Kuzmenko being an impact at the NHL level than I do Linus Carlson at the AHL, just simply because of what they can do at 5-on-5. Five five. I, I, I'm not really concerned that Linus Carlson will be a guy who has a lot of offense on the power play for, for Abbotsford, but it is going to be interesting to see how he sits at 5-on-5. Five five. Uh, but And then just, you know, with LeCarrie Mackey in the draft, like drafting him where he was, like I, I do think that's a great pick for the Canucks. He's a player that I think, kind of like we mentioned earlier, you know, two years from now, the World Juniors, he's going to be Sweden's guy, right? Like he is going to be the guy for Sweden at that tournament. And that's kind of the part where you probably get pretty excited about him coming to North America after that tournament. Uh, a couple more years, a year in the Elsvenskan, maybe they get moved up to the SHL. Like, I think they got a really good player with where they were picking. So, overall, like, I, I like a lot of the additions. I think Neil Zalman was a nice little free pickup for them to add to their prospect pool. Uh, Arshdeep Baines was, was excellent at development camp. I, I don't have a lot of question about him coming into the AHL, so... Uh, I think they've added some bits and pieces here, but unfortunately they didn't address anything uh, on the right D point aside from Philip Johansson, who didn't really stick out very much at development camp. Uh, so to me, they, that's, that's got to be something that they have to address at you know, next year's draft, I guess, is the next time we're looking at it. Well, the Canucks did announce today that the tickets for the Young Stars Classic will go on sale tomorrow morning as well. So, you know, you mentioned Carlson. Klimovich is a part of that group. Neil Zaman and Arshdie Baines as well. Of those four that we know that will be going there, I'm sure there's going to be a, a long list, and you can you can add to that list as well if you want. But who's the one guy that you want to see, you know, outside of development camp, but against other teams, against other young players of those uh, three opposing teams? Like, who's that one guy that you're looking forward to see playing against those level of players? Yeah, I, I think two of those names are really interesting, and Niels Amund's going to be a really a guy that I really want to see in this tournament. I think watching him at development camp, seeing how fast he was, how big he was, like he feels like a player that, man, just he could be like an absolute dark horse to be able to to at least get into some NHL games next year from just from how how quick he skated, how big he actually is. So him at this tournament, like it would be great for him to have a, a dominant tournament for for I guess the Canucks organization to have a good conversation with him about like, hey, you might start in the AHL this year, but we've seen what you can do. You stick out at a really high level compared to the players at that age group. Uh, maybe there is some NHL future down the road. We don't really want you to go back to Sweden. Like he might want to make that decision because I think a lot of Swedish players look at the SHL and the AHL and they'll pick the SHL a lot more of the time than, than the other way. But the other player would be Danila Klimovic, obviously uh, one of the Canucks' top prospects. He, he, he's got to have higher expectations for this year. I mean, even just watching the games last year uh, in Abbotsford, like, you know, he puts up a decent amount of points in his rookie season as an 18-year-old, but 
so much bad puck luck as well. Uh, and, and I think that's something that's going to show up next year when we see him putting up a lot more goals and assists. And, and for him to work on his defensive game is going to be huge, right? I mean, he's, he's never going to get to the NHL if he doesn't work on his defensive game and make big improvements there. So, um, yeah, those are a couple of the players I'll be looking at. And I think uh, it should be really exciting. We'll be out there uh, in Penticton covering it for Canucks Army for sure. I know it's going to be a, a fun time, going to bring the golf clubs and everything. So nice. uh, it should be a good time out there. And, and I think it'll be some great hockey as well for those four days. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's good to have the tournament back again. And, uh, you know, who doesn't want to go to Penticton a bit later in the summer? So I'm looking forward to it. Hey, <laughs> hey, uh, great stuff as always. Uh, Fabes, like what you're doing with Canucks Army. Keep up the good work and we'll chat again very soon. It's underrated stuff over there, Canucks Army, just like Nanaimo bars. Randy. <laughs> hey, come on now. I, I, I'm i just saying that was my take. But one thing, though, uh, do you have a confession for today? Uh, you're one of the uh, the key oh, yeah. parts of the beginning of Confession Friday. Do you have a confession to make? Oh, geez, you guys caught me off guard here. It's Thursday. What are you guys doing? Uh, we, we had to move things around for the summer for a couple of weeks. Oh, okay, Sat needs his beauty sleep on Friday, I guess. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> No, no, I don't know. You can tweet it out later. Don't worry. I know you're you're active on on the Twitter.com. Okay, I'll I'll give you one. So I I wore shorts to a wedding. You guys gave me crap for that a while Mm -hmm. ago. This past weekend, I was at a wedding where I was a groomsman, so can't wear shorts, unfortunately. But uh, I did have two pocket fans going basically the whole day. Uh, And it was was a smart move. I don't know if this is a bad concession. Like A lot of people that saw it were like, wow, that's a great idea. And I was like, yeah, I, I have two of them. So that wow. they weren't running out of batteries the whole time. Uh, and that saved me for a lot of the wedding photos that we took this past weekend. Okay, that's a that's a confession, but not a bad one. That's a good that's one. A smart one, man. Smart well, one. I know how it works, guys. I, I know you got to check over all the confessions here before they go to air. Yes. So I thought I'd give you a pretty PG one. All right. We appreciate it. Makes it easier for us. <laughs> Thanks, Fapes. You betcha. Have a good one, guys. Uh, that is Chris Faber, Canucks Army. Make sure to follow him on Twitter. Canucks Combo as well with him and David Quadrelli. Always doing good work, those two guys. Um, but yeah, Young Stars Tournament. Tickets go on sale tomorrow. Exciting. What's the date again exactly? September 16th to the 19th. 19th. So it's so, just at the end of summer. Yeah, so it's essentially the final day of that tournament, that classic, is, if I'm not mistaken, the day of the uh, the golf tournament. The the inaugural golf tournament that kicks off the uh, uh, the Jake Milford yeah. golf tournament. So it's basically Young that Stars happens. wraps up. And then the golf journey goes. And then that means we're into training And it's camp. go time, baby. It's just, uh, so that's just a month, less than a month and a half away. We're five weeks away from that, essentially. Five and a half weeks. And two of that's going to be a vacation for Sat because yeah. uh, it's go time once you get back, man. <laughs> yeah. It's go time. Go time, yeah. I, I, I'm still here tomorrow and next week. And then after that, I'm, I'm gone again. I'll don't be worry. back. I'll be back after I'm going to squeeze day. out a couple of days of vacation do as it. well. Do it, my friend. Do it. Make sure to do it. All right. Uh, we have a lot more coming up on the other side. But before we do... It is time for wrong answers only because we got one for today. And Randeep, we turn our sights to the World Juniors. Wrong answers only. Ah, yes, the music. It's there been a go. while. Things that have better attendance than the World Junior Championships. <laughs> yeah. Things that have better attendance than the World Junior Championships. And you know what? What was the total attendance you had yesterday? What was it after the first three games? It 1635. Was... And I, I don't even buy it. Yeah. For the first three games, I don't even buy that it was 16-35. And apparently, apparently, for Team Canada's game, sorry, that was two days ago. Yeah. Team Canada's game yesterday, the attendance was sub-2,800. That's for the home team. Not great. Not great. So uh, what things are better attended than the World Junior Championships? I got one. All right, go for it. The U.S. National Highlight Championship. Ooh, highlight. <laughs> Sport of the future, highlight. Yeah, highlight. <laughs> Didn't quite work. Okay, I, I don't know if we can do this. I don't know if this is a digital segment. 
I'd love to try highlight one day. I would too. I'd probably get hit in the face. Yeah, it looks fun. Like a swooping, oh, like, yeah. you know, like. But you know, it's huge apparently in Miami. Like apparently, a, yeah. So I could see people watching highlight have a better attendance than the uh, World Junior Championships. I could see that. Uh, to me, it's part right answer. Yeah, it's, it's there. It's I got there. one. All right. Things that have a better attendance than the World Junior Championship. The lineup at Supreme Pizza for people waiting to pick up their orders. You know how long that lineup is? Ooh. That lineup has more people than Rogers Place does right now for the World Junior Championships. Okay. All right. I, I have an early confession to make. Uh-oh. I still haven't tried Supreme Pizza. Okay. We got to change that. You know what? I'm working with you this week and next week. We got to hit it up one and day. And we never did it yeah, yeah. on the old show. So next week, we'll have a look at the schedule. We're going to make it happen. We're ordering in. If you have suggestions, Supreme Pizza Loyalist, text them in what order should Sat get. I'm down. I'm so down. We're doing it next week. Let us know. Let us know. Uh, All right. Uh, Wrong answers only. Oh, oh, (laughs) almost got me, Mike and Victoria, but you didn't. Uh, Wands and Wizards. It's actually Wings and Wizards, not Wands and Wizards. Good try, though. We (laughs) get it. That was actually one of the ones that I was looking at to submit as well. I thought about it, too. I knew somebody would come with it. You know, I thought about it, and I I actually looked up, like, Wings and Wizards attendance, and I couldn't find (laughs) any. All right. We got a lot. We got to hit a break here. When we come back, we'll reset it. Yeah, we're we'll come with more. We'll, we'll, we'll get more of your uh, reactions. Keep getting in. Wrong answers only. What is better attended than the World Junior Championships, which is going on in Alberta? More coming up on Home of Your Canucks next, Sportsnet 650.